two. Good morning. Uh, today's a special day. Uh, it's you know July Fourth weekend. I hope you had a great day yesterday, uh, celebrating our freedoms and the, the price and the men and women who paid for those freedoms. If uh, if you met me and for the first time, or met somebody for the first time, and somebody said to you, uh, "Oh, they're a coach." Uh, the natural, natural question would be, well, you know, what kind, of, what kind of team do you coach? Wouldn't that be a natural question? And what they said in that moment would tell you a lot about them. I'm a football coach. Oh, I coach a baseball team. Oh, I, I coach a dance team. Whatever, whatever you said would tell you a lot about that person in an instant. And, and the same thing happens, I think, with me at times. People say, well, he's a pastor. And they'll say, well, where do you pastor? I'll say, you know, Calvary. And they say, well, what kind of church is that? And if I said, well, it's a Presbyterian church, that'd tell them a lot, wouldn't it? It's a Baptist church. That'd tell them a lot. We're the church of the wild and woolly. Man, we go wild, and it's woolly sometimes. That, that'd tell you a lot instantly, wouldn't it? And so I, I, try, to, I try to avoid those kind of labels. And I try to label us as clearly as I can for them. And, and what I want to tell them is, that, you know, what we welcome anybody who wants to believe in the Bible. The Bible is our standard for faith and conduct. In fact, we tell people when you come to our church, all your doctrinal stuff uh, that you've learned in doctrine classes, keep that out in the, in the parking lot, take it home with you. Come into the church and open your Bible. And if the Bible says do it, do it. And if the Bible says don't do it, don't do it. Because what we found is that the more we adhere to what the Bible says and try to focus on that, the more unity we have. When we begin to get all the men's opinions in there, then all of a sudden there's division. But when you, set the, when you set the simplicity of the word, tell us how to live our lives. Tell us what's important. Tell us how to interact with God. Then things get pretty clear. I want to talk to you a little bit about today about the Bible and why the Word of God is important to our lives. So look at this scripture, the keynote scripture in all of the Bible about scripture, and it gives us some insight. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Father, we thank you for your word to be our standard of faith and conduct that you have revealed, that you have breathed out, that you have inspired men to write, and that now we hold in our hands as a revelation from you of who you are, who we are, how we should live our lives, and how we should stand before you. Let us be a church that cherishes your word that grows in your word, loves your word, obeys your word, and is centered and founded on your word. In Jesus' name, amen. If you could take all of the church disciplines, you know, faithfulness to the house of God, uh, prayer, worship, evangelism, all the church disciplines, and if you said to me, uh, somebody said to me, you can only teach on one of them. You can only, you can only, you can, you're only going to be able to inspire people to do one of them. The one I would choose would be to study and know the Word of God. Because if you study and know the Word of God, you're going to begin to pray. If you study and know the Word of God, 
uh, you're going you're to want to be in the house of God with other believers. If you study and know the Word of God, the others are going to follow in suit. You're going to learn about the greatness of God and your place before Him, and you're going you're to want to worship Him. You're going to want to express worship to Him. The Word of God just becomes so fundamental, this revelation of God of how we're supposed to live our lives and what we're supposed to do. And, and we need to take it extremely seriously. It is, get this, it is profitable, the Word says. Profitable. It's a guarantee. When you study and know the Word of God, it's going to make your life better. It's going to make things clearer. It's going to make you and your faith stronger. It's going to give you the right things to say. So when you look at, at what is the Bible good for, uh, first of all, right here it says it in this passage, the Bible, the Word of God, equips us for every good work. Think of any good work that you're involved in. You, you're a husband or you're a wife. If you study the Word of God and apply the Word of God to your role as a husband or your role as a wife, you're going to do it right. You're going to get it right. It's going to equip you. Think about what equipping means. It's, it equips you for every good work. The Bible gives us the, the, the armor that we need, the strength that we need, the knowledge that we need, the revelation that we need, the direction that we need. All the things come through. It equips us for every good work. If you're a parent or a grandparent, you study the Word of God, it's going to equip you for every good work. It equips us to be a, a good church member, a part of a local body of believers. It tells us what should be important. It tells us how to act and how to respond, how to, how to worship, how to pray. It tells us even in a day like today when our country seems to be moving away from godly principles, it tells us how to be, how it equips us to be a good citizen, it equips our children to be a good citizen, it equips you to be a good employee or a, a good boss. If we take every word and a, that applies to those issues and we apply them to our lives, then we'll become equipped to do every good work. And we'll begin to see things better. We'll begin to understand why we're in the battle that we're in. And we'll, even as a parent raising a child, we'll begin to understand the spiritual warfare that's involved and, and, and the importance of, of how we act and live in front of our children. All the things that, we do, that we'll find in the Word will equip us, will make you better at it. It's the greatest how-to book ever written, the greatest book of spiritual revelation ever written, the greatest book about God ever written. It reveals to us everything that we know, need to know. If you look in, in Psalm 119, we're not going to read from that passage, a lot from that passage today. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. And Psalm 119 tells us about, it tells us about the Word and, and, and the role of the Word. So it teaches us that the Bible gives us assurance in time of need. Psalm 119.50, this is my comfort in my affliction, for the Word has given me life. So you take whatever, so you're in a financial crisis, but you've been faithful to apply biblical truth to your finances. You're going to get assurance in that area. Your child isn't making great decisions, but you have, you've applied biblical truth to how you raise your child. 
It gives us assurance and timing. Your, your sick in body and your, 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 your place where you're not healthy. The Bible gives us assurance in time of need. It comes alive within us with the promises of God for our life. The Bible gives us a right, an understanding of right and wrong. Psalm 119, 103, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate what is false. God understood that we would live in cultures and in societies that would push us to accept things that were wrong as right and things that were right as wrong that would influence our thinking, would be raised in homes, that would influence our, our thinking about right and wrong. And he, so he gave us his word so that as we understand his precepts, we understand how he would tell us to live our life, that we would get a right sense of understanding. And not only would we get a sense of understanding, but we would grow to love those things that are good and we would grow to literally hate those things that are wrong because we would know and we would sense how destructive those things can be. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Uh, the, the word of God gives us security as we walk in our life. Uh, it gives us direction. So the Word of God gives us direction in life, as we see in 119, 105. It shows us how to, how to make decisions. It teaches us what to do next. It reveals to us where we should be in our life, what's important, how our life should be lived, what, what I should be doing in every area of my life. The Word of God gives me direction. It's a light to my path. Or as, in, as we read in Psalm 119, 165, the Bible gives us security. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing causes them to stumble. Lord, I hope for your salvation. I do your commandments. So in a day and age that would rob us of that security, the Word of God will build that security in us and help us to be a people whose feet are firmly planted. This is why we say in our, in our vision statement that we want every person who comes here to discover life to the full. And one of the, one of the things, one of the five statements that follows that is that you would walk in the security that comes from knowing God's Word. See, when you know God's Word and you apply God's Word, you can count on God's results. You hear me? When you know God's Word, you apply God's Word, you can count on God's results. And what God usually does with us is this. He lets us be tested in little things. And if we'll be faithful to the Word, we'll discover, hey, I didn't understand how it was, but it worked out. Here's what God did. Here's how God intervened. And then as you get in life and you face bigger and bigger things, raising kids, how am I, I going to have security that they're going to love and serve God? Am I applying God's Word? See, if I know God's Word and apply God's Word, I get God's results. So I want to walk in the security of the Word of God. The Bible gives us and reveals to us the voice of the Spirit of God. How do I know what I'm feeling is right? How do I know what, I, what I'm sensing is correct? Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, 
piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. When you pour the Word of God into your life, you're opening your life to the moving of the Spirit of God that will convict us, will make us hate that which is wrong. So listen, this is so key. You've got a guy, you're caught in pornography. And, and, and you're, you're just so attracted to it. One of the keys of breaking that is to read the Word of God, know the Word of God, because it begins to make me hate that which is evil. Because it, it, it becomes living in me, and it begins to battle with that which is wrong. You have this terrible temper that, that just blows up all over you. Yeah, I want the Word of God planted because it makes me hate that which is evil. Whatever that is in my life that is causing destruction or is against the more I pour the Word into my life, the more I will love that which is righteous and hate that which is evil. I'll turn, I want to turn from it. It'll become distasteful in my mouth. It'll become an ugliness in my sight. It'll become a reproach in my ears because I, I, I won't want to rush out to those kind of movies anymore. I won't, won't want to be around that kind of language anymore. I won't want to be a part of that kind of thing anymore because the Word of God makes me hate it, makes me cringe at it because it's not pleasing to God. And I can live in this pluralistic society that allows everything in the world to go on. But I, I want to walk through that society untainted by that society and tainted fully by the Word of God. Now, for that to happen, I've got to let the Word of God become living and active in my life. I've got to pour it into my life. I've got to make sure I'm, I'm hearing and I'm knowing. And I've got to begin to pray, God, help me to love those things that you love and to hate those things that you hate. So we have Christians walking around that, you know, they got a foot in the world and a foot in, in the door of the church. And, and the issue really rises. They, they can, you can sit here in a moment like, I'll never do that again. I'll never do that again. I'll never do that again. And you go out and what do you do? I do it again. I need the Word of God in my life. Now, three ways to bring the Word into your life. One, you need to read it. You just need to read it. You know, we, we have more more opportunity to read the Word of God now than we ever have. I, you know, 20, 10, 15, 20 years ago, if I wanted to have various, you know, if I, if I was going to go on a study trip for two or three days, I would load up the back of my card, literally, with different versions of the Bible, different Bible things to read, and I just load up my, now I take this with me. You know, on a laptop, I've got 20, 30 versions of the Bible right here. If I get to lunch early, I can sit and open it up. I can read different versions of the Bible. I can sit in my car, read different versions of the Bible. I can sit in, in, in bed at night, read, so, oh, go look at another version. And I can read what it's saying to help the, get a full picture of what it is in my life. There's, you, you go down to the Christian bookstore today, and it's confusing. Which Bible do I want to buy? There's so many versions, but not only are there so many versions, translations of the Bible, that are, most of which are good, vast majority of them are very good, but you also have study Bibles and all kinds of things that help you study the Bible so that when you're in the middle of Leviticus and you go, what is that all about? You can look right over in the, in the notes on the side and it'll tell you what that's all about and help you relate it to your life and bring it into your life. So there's all these opportunities to read the Word, to know the Word, to study the Word. And I would just tell you, we're going to walk through a little plan here in a minute. You need to set a plan in your life that's why we call them disciplines. 
and discipline your life to daily reading the Bible. No, and if you're sitting here and you've not read the Bible much in your life, nobody's looking at you saying, hey, you need to go read the Bible two hours a day. You're never going to get that done. But you need to set some time aside and begin to read the Bible. Begin to get serious about the Bible. Number two, you need to hear it. You need to hear it. It's, it's not a man thing, it's a God thing. That when preaching and teaching happens, and it's from the Word of God, never look at the man and say, oh, isn't he, he's a great preacher. No, no, no. no. All, we're just messengers. That's, that's our job. Our job is to hear what God is saying and to say it to you. God has to anoint that word. If it touches your heart and moves your heart, I didn't do it. God did it. I don't have any more power than anybody else has. All I have is the word of God and, it, and hopefully, prayerfully, a gift to communicate it to you so that you can understand it and live it. You need to sit in places where you hear teaching and to be able to judge that teaching is that from the word of God does that come from scripture listen if I get up here I say this all the time if I get up here or you go anyplace else and they start spouting off stuff that they can't back up with the word of God just dismiss it oh I'll pray for pastor Moore this week if it's if it's a reflection of what the word would tell us to do and live then do it do it. Do what the Word says. Let the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. There's something about preaching that you can walk in the door. Many of you, you walked in the door of this church or some church or some day in your life. No intention of surrendering your life to Christ. And some guy or gal gets up, proclaims the Word of God, and before the night's over, you're, you're asking Christ to be the Lord of your life. That wasn't the power of that man. That was the power of the Holy Spirit moving. That's God moving on your life. That man didn't save you. I didn't save you. Jesus saved you. That's what saved you. Jesus gave his life for you. The Holy I didn't convict you. That guy didn't convict you. That gal didn't convict you. The Holy Spirit convicted you. God moves through the anointing of his word when it's, when it's preached and when it's taught to convict us to do something. And my prayer today is that you'll be convicted to be a, a serious student of God's word. You need to hear it. And here's the third thing. You need to be in places where you can talk about it. Where you can talk about it. Where you're with other people and you talk. I would encourage you, you know, when you go home, if your children and children's church, talk about What did you learn today? Tell us what happened in class today. What does that mean to you today? Make it natural for them to talk about what they've learned and what they've heard. And how are you going to apply that? What are you going to do with that? What do you think that means to you? If you're here in a family, to talk about, okay, we, we talked about the Bible today. What? Man, I, I, this is what I do in my Bible study. What do you do? To talk about it. Talk about what the Word of God means and how you apply it to your life. This is why we have C2 groups, small groups, to give you a chance to do two things. One is to connect on a relational level with other believers to live out the Word of God together, to love each other, to care for each other, to serve each other, to bless each other. And two is to talk about the Word of God together. That's why we encourage our small groups, if you can, take the message that we preach on Sunday and go and talk about it. Now, how are we going to apply it? How do you apply that in your life? How many of you have a good Bible study in your life? And not to be bashful in there, not to be ashamed, say, you know what, I, I really don't. 
I really don't have a good Bible study. Well, brother, let's, let's help you. Let's help you start reading. Well, I, you know, I tried once, and you know, I got in the middle of numbers, and I'm not good at numbers. <laughs> well, let's, let's help you. Talk about it. Now, we all know that there are things on this earth that can harm us. We all know that. Things that will hurt you, things that will make you sick, things that will wound you, things that will kill you. And, and some of us are like little kids. My, my, my grandson, Ollie, is 16 months old. And, uh, you know, if you gave him a knife, a little knife or something to play with, he would, he'd run around and play with it. And he'd run around and stick it in every light socket in the house until it knocked him down. So you, do, you don't let him have those things that hurt him. You try to teach him. So he learns, don't do that without him having to learn it the hard way. You try to protect them from those things that'll hurt them. That's where the Bible's profitable for us. It's God the Father saying to us, let go of that. Thank you. Give it to me. Come on, thank you. I love you so much. Come over here and give it to me. You ever done that? This is what the Bible's doing to us. Thank you, son. Thank you, daughter. Give it to me right now. Come on, put it in my hand. You don't want that. If you don't give it to me, I'm going to come take it away from you. And if they don't give it to you, what do you do? You don't say, oh, well, I give up. They're going to they play with the knife. No, you walk over, you grab them, and you force it out of their hands. And they're crying. Oh, they're crying because you took the knife away from them. Do you give them the knife back? No. You take it away from them. That's what, I don't want God to have to take the knife away from them. I want to hear his word and give it to him. Don't you? I want, to, I want to be smart and God knows what's best for me. And I want to put it in his hand. And if left on their own, you know, I, Ollie's at that age right now where he, he's walking around and you know, he hates magazines, he hates books because he picks them up and begins to rip them apart instantly. I don't know what his natural hatred for those things is about, but he just tears them all apart. He's at, at my house the other day. I had a gallon of, of distilled water that I used for a machine sitting there, and, and, and I was doing something else when Payne grew close to it. I didn't even think, you know, he was kind of playing with it a little bit. I didn't think he, he, get, he could get it, I didn't think he could get it open. He could. And dumped about half of it right on his head. He was soaking wet because Pappy wasn't doing a good job watching him. I'm grateful God's a better, God watches us better than I can watch him sometimes. Now, thankfully, it wasn't anything that could hurt him. Now, thankfully, it wasn't anything that could hurt him. Now, so there's things that can hurt us, and the Word of God warns us about them. So I want to know the Word of God so I don't have to learn the hard way. I want to learn the easy way. I don't want to learn the painful way. Some people go through life learning the painful way. On the other side, there's a lack of things that can hurt you. If you don't eat for a couple of weeks, you're in trouble. If you don't drink water for a couple of days, you're going to be in trouble. If you don't breathe air for a couple of minutes, you're going to be in trouble. Everything else can be fine about you. I mean, you can be working fine, be perfectly healthy, but you take a few things out of your life, and it's not long, you're in trouble. This is what Hosea says. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. 
Because you have rejected knowledge, I will reject you from being my priest. And because you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. Just like a lack of food or a lack of water or a lack of air can destroy us and hurt us. A lack of attention to the Word of God can lead us to destruction. The Word of God, they're guardrails that protect us, that they, 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 they keep us from, from being destructive. Just like a lack of food or, or a lack of air can destroy us, that this lack of the Word of God, we begin to do destructive things and live in destructive ways because we're pushed and influenced by the world around us. And all of a sudden, destructive things are going on in our lives. Destructive attitudes, destructive spirits. So not reading the Word of God, I'm not just being neutral here. I'm going backwards here when I don't study the Word of God. When I don't know the Word of God, I'm setting myself up. When I'm not planting the Word of God deeply in my children's hearts, I'm setting them up. So this person who ignores the word, why is God saying, well, I'm going to forget your children? Because the children aren't going to know how to get to him. They're not going to know how to relate to him. They're not going to know how to cry out to him. And so they become that forgot, literally forgotten, pushed away from, because they're far from God. They don't even know how to get there. This knowing the word of God is so important to us. And how we act is important. When I was a little boy, under five years of age, because we moved to Springfield when I was about five. My dad had, we had a house in, in Pawnee, and my dad had, a, had a, uh, some grapevines back in the back. If you've ever been around grapevines, the grapes, when they begin to come out, they come out real small. And they grow into the full-size full grape. Well, I went out one day, and I saw all those, and they looked like, I guess they, I, I, don't, I don't remember the story. I just remember my, my mom and dad talking about it. My dad talked about how dumb I was. And looking at these little grapes... And I thought they were seeds. And I got my little bucket. And I pulled off all the little seeds for my dad. And I proudly brought them into my dad and said, look, I picked the seeds for you. And dad just knew I had just ruined the harvest. I'd ruined the harvest. You know, sadly, that's what some adults do with their children. The seed of God's word, the spirit, the fruit of God's word is beginning to grow in that child's life. And that parent lives such a hypocritical life, such a life separated from the word of God. The way they react, the way they talk, the way their values are, the way their priorities are. What comes first, what comes second? That they pick the seed that God was growing in their life. And instead of the harvest being full, it's barren. I need to know the Word of God. I need to put the right things first. I need to have the right discussions. I need to challenge in the right ways. I can't, listen, you can't, mom and dad, grandma and grandma, you can't hate confrontation. You got to confront things. You don't have to do it mad and angry. But you have to lovingly challenge things. You got to promote the truth. You've got to stand up for what you believe. Why are we serious about the word? Because, friends, I, because, because it is profitable to know and it is dangerous to ignore. 
The Word of God is profitable to know and dangerous to ignore. So I need to ask myself, how am I going to grow in the knowledge of God's Word? What is your plan? What have you put in place to grow in the knowledge of God's Word so that you're formed by it? And, and how will you, grow, will you get the Word to grow in the hearts of your children and your grandchildren? What are you going to do in this day to make sure they know the Word? This is why VBS is important. This is why sending your kids to children's camp is important. It's why getting them into Sunday school is important. It's why putting them in places where they can study and know the Word is important because you want the fruit of God's Spirit to grow in their life from the Word of God. So, if you're a starter, if you're a starter in all this, come to church with an open heart. Come every Sunday. Go to church. And go, when you come in the door, come in the door again. God, my heart's open. You convict me where I'm wrong. Teach me where I'm right. Help me to know your word. Number two, if you're started, get in a small group. Get in a C2 group. They're aimed at Bible application. Get into one. Number three, get your children into places that will teach them the word. Even if your children are grown, challenge them. Why are you doing what you're doing? Where are you going? What's going on? Have, the, have talks with them and challenge them to do what the Bible says. And number four, begin to read the Bible yourself and pray when you open the Bible, when you open it, pray, God, let me see your word that I may apply it to my life and my actions. So I, I put together a little Bible plan for now to November 1st that, that, that for those of you who aren't regularly you know, reading the Bible every day, if you're reading the Bible every day, stick with your program, do your thing, stick with it, and keep reading the Bible. But if this is a, a, an issue for you that you haven't, you're not doing this regularly, or you've never done it, you've never been successful, maybe you've tried and failed, I want to challenge you to try again. And so I've given you a couple things here. One, read one chapter of Proverbs a day. It's the 20th of, of the month, read chapter 20. It's the 27th of the month, read chapter 27. It's the first of the month, read chapter 1. Read, read chapter every Just set some time aside in your morning before you go anyplace and read one chapter of Proverbs every day. And then set some other time, keep it there too if you want to, or some other time aside to do the rest of this. And so here's what I tell you, challenge you to do. Read the book of James five times in a row. Now, I'm not saying you sit down and read five times in a row in one setting. I'm saying over the course of a week or two weeks, you read the book of James, you just stay there. Just stay in the book of James until you've read it five times. You'll go through some of my old Bibles, you'll see where I've marked every place, every time I've read that chapter. I just put a little mark there, I've read that chapter. And how many times I've read it. Because see, here's the key. If you read a, cha- if you read a book like James and you go on, you, you forget stuff. If you read it four or five times, you begin to know it. It begins to get in you. Begins to impact you. Then when you've done that, read First John and read it five times. Read it five times. Just over and over again, five times. And, and then go read the book of Luke. Read it one time. It's a bigger, bigger book. You're not going to read it five times. Read it one time. But read it, let the stories get in your heart. Then go back and read Ephesians, read it five times. Read it five times. Then read the book of Acts. And then read the book of Philippians and read it five times. I've got some books I want, I just want them to get down your heart. Read, read the book of Genesis. See how all this started, where it all began. And then come and read First and Second Peter and read them 
five times. Listen, I'm going to promise you something. If, if you're not a Bible reader, these are books that won't just, uh, uh, that you won't have to struggle to understand. You won't have to struggle to get them. You'll get them pretty quick. There's some books you've got to dig into them and begin to understand symbolism and understand some of the things God's doing, understand some of the laws of God for you to get and apply to your life. These, these aren't books like that. You read these, you get it pretty quick. So if you're a starter reading the Bible, you say, you know what, I want to get a, just start getting some knowledge of God's Word so it'll be profitable to me. Here's a, play, here's a way to start that'll start getting it planted down in your life. And so begin. Tell somebody in your small group, tell somebody in your life, look, this is what I'm doing. Ne- next week, ask me how I'm doing. Next month, ask me how I'm doing. And if I'm not doing good, hold me accountable to get back into, into it. Call me every day if you have to. Make sure I'm reading the Bible every day. Because, see, if you know the Bible, it's profitable. But if you ignore the Bible, it's dangerous. Know the Word of God. Study the Word of God. See, here's one of the places where it's so dangerous today. You know, there's a lot of people in America who think they're Christians because they live in America. There's a lot of people in America that think they're Christians because they're a member of some church. The church may not even teach the Bible, but they go to this church, and they're a well-established, welcome member in that church, but they don't know the Word. I sat next to a lady who had been a church member, high-up church member in her, in her denomination for 30 years. I knew this denomination pretty well. And so I asked her, tell me, in your denomination, how do you get to heaven? Here's what she told me. She said, if the priest of her denomination, if they confirm me, if they say I'm okay, I'm going to heaven. I said, really? She said, yeah. Sit on an airplane. I said, really? She said, yes. She said, how do you, how do you think you get to heaven? And I said, well, I got my Bible with me. Let me show you. And I got my Bible, and I walked through the Roman road with her and showed her verse by verse what the Bible said. And she looked at me when we were done, and she said, is that in my Bible? I said, sure is. So can I write those verses down? Sure we can. We sat there and wrote every verse down. She said, nobody's ever shown me that before. Nobody's ever. She was a high up member in in her local church. But nobody ever shown her the pathway to salvation. Lack of knowledge is dangerous. Listen, if you want to go to heaven, you're going to die one of these days. I'm going to die one of these days. And the Bible says it's appointed a man once to die and then the judgment. I better know the word. Because I'm going to go stand before judgment someday, according to the Bible. And when I stand before God in judgment, if I say, man, I, I was a great member of Calvary Church. I was a pastor at Calvary Church. Doesn't cut it. I was a good dad. I tried to be a good dad. I was a faithful husband. I want to be a faithful husband. I asked Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of my life. (laughs) 
That is the only answer. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes before the Father except through me. Friends, if you've never asked Jesus in your life, we're telling you today, you need to ask Jesus into your life. You need to accept him as the Lord of your life, the boss of your life, the controlling entity of your life that is revealed to us. He reveals how he does that through his word. And you need to put your faith in him to be the savior of your soul because you're not good enough. I'm not good enough. Nobody you ever meets good enough to stand before God on their own. The only way we can stand before God is through Jesus. Every other way is false. Jesus is the only way. Let's pray right now. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word that gives us knowledge so that we will not be destroyed, but so that we can be built up. And today, Father, we proclaim that knowledge to everyone in this room. And we just ask, Father, if there's somebody here who's not asked Jesus to be their Lord and Savior, that today, right now, they would hear the word, feel the convicting power of your spirit in their life. And even though they walked in this door with no intention to do this, that today, right now, they would have a life-changing moment with you, an eternity-changing moment with you, in Jesus' name. So every head bowed, every eye closed. You'll say, Pastor, today I want to ask Jesus to be the Lord and the Savior of my life. Wow. You said that. I get it. I understand it now. I need Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. And today, I'm going to open my heart to him and ask him to be the Lord and Savior of my life. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, pray for me right now across this main floor for just a moment. I'm looking here for just a moment. Anyone here? Anyone in the balcony today say, Pastor, pray for me. Pray for me. Father, I thank you for this congregation today. You know the condition of every heart. And Father, if every one of us in this room are truly born again, that, Father, we leave this place rejoicing in our salvation today, but I also leave this place, Father, saying, convict us, challenge us to draw the lost into your house, to share faith with others, and to be a soul-winning people. And, Father, for all of us in this room, I do pray today that you give us a new, serious commitment to know your word, to study your word, and to be people of your word and to plant your word in our children and grandchildren's lives. In Jesus' name, amen.